G'day, my name is Stephen Graham. Skazius. Welcome to episode 162 of the Brand News Podcast. <laughs> and it's it's our anniversary, Skaz. Oh, what? Lockdown anniversary? It's lockdown anniversary. One year of lockdown podcasts today. Well, yeah, tomorrow, technically. But realistically, today. Yeah. One year of being sat remotely doing podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and how, oh, how the world has changed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For me, not really at all. For everyone else, I think there's, you know, there's been something going on that's a bit of an inconvenience, but, you know. <laughs> I think people who were, who were, I think some people have had a big change, obviously working from home has been a big change for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, that's there's there's also huge groups of people who really it's made no difference. If you've been in retail, it's made sod all difference, really. Yeah. Apart from you have to wear, apart from it's now more inconvenient to go to work, so you have to wear a mask when you're at work. But realistically, sod all difference is made. So it's just that you can't go out anywhere. That doesn't really so, bother me. Cause there's nowhere I want to go. Well, that's true. That helps. That certainly that certainly helps the situation. If that's the case. So, oh, well, how have you been in Scares? Um, alive. Alive. Good. Um, That's all I ask. I mean, yesterday was, was, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday was the good day. That was fantastic. But how are you? I'm not too bad. I probably should start us with a little apology. This is an apology to, as I discovered today, to our podcast listeners. Um, you may be wondering why class podcast was late getting to you. Uh, that was because of a issue with the feed that hadn't gone through properly, and it didn't update iTunes correctly. So if you subscribe to iTunes, you would not have got the podcast. So I'm sorry about that. It should now be fixed. Do you think people? So, what are the metrics on people actually using iTunes these days for podcasts? I think the majority of our podcasts go through iTunes. Really? Yeah. Well, if you've got an iPhone, use Apple Podcasts, which is effectively iTunes. Oh, fair enough. I wasn't sure so, if maybe they blended that into like Apple Music or whatever, like everywhere else does. No, Apple. If anything, Apple's separate their stuff now. So, like audiobooks aren't part of I aren't. You don't play. If you have audiobooks on your iPhone, you don't play them through. You know the music player. You play them through the Books app, which is also the app you use to read books, which is very confusing. So your audiobooks and like normal. Kindle type books in the books app. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I would never use Apple's books. In fact, actually, um, random story. It was Apple that put me off Audible years ago because mm. Apple were reselling Audible audiobooks back in the day on iTunes, and yeah. one of the audiobooks that I desperately wanted to listen to was um, "Going Postal" by Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. And the Apple version, so it says, oh, this is a, you know, an Audible audiobook, blah, blah, blah. Two-thirds of the way through the book, an entire section was missing. And I blamed that entirely on Audible. I was like, nope, Audible audiobooks are absolutely crap. It's got one of the, you know, it's missing a huge section of the book. Uh, just no, like, I'll, I'll never use Audible ever. And then one day I got a, a free, uh, free book for Audible. Tried Audible and found out, no, it wasn't Audible. It was uh, Apple. Apple had stuffed it. Is it possible that um, Audible had updated? Because I know Audible do update their books and perhaps they missed it originally when you first had it and then 
they realised their mistake and added it back in. I had a hooky copy of the book too, and it was fine. Right. Oh, fair enough. So. Fair enough. But I, I would never. I would these. Well, I mean, I would never use iTunes these days anyway, or, or Apple Books these days. So I don't have a a functioning Apple product. But um, yeah, I um, I don't know if if. Do Apple actually sell books that aren't like the 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 they're their own thing? To be or? honest, I the only I don't use I don't use um, the only audiobooks I've got are things like um, not actual what I would consider audiobooks. They're more like um, so like Radio Four do those like like some comedy sketch shows, and when they put them up, they class them as audiobooks. Oh right, okay. So that's what I've got. I've got like, the Mitchell Web Sound as audiobooks, but I wouldn't class it as audiobooks personally. But they class them like that on iTunes, so we pick them up. That's how they come through as. All oh, right, okay. So I, but only all my audiobooks. I actually my 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 actual audiobooks, as in a book that's been translated to been read out. I usually get through Audible with my free credits. Yeah, I don't think I've actually. I feel I've spent. Virtually nothing on Audible since I've ever, I've ever used. But apart from subscription, I've ever actually bought anything on there. And it's all been just through free credits. And obviously, when they do their two for one deals, it's great because you just um, buy two. I actually, does tell I I have I have twice bought additional credits. I've been buying a lot more additional credits recently. Um, yeah, because it just makes sense. Why on earth would you buy a unless a book, the case with a cheap? Why on earth would you buy a book when you just buy credits? Yeah. It was in a lot of cases. It seems really silly because some of the books I wanted to read. Oh yeah, it's thirty pounds. But yeah. I will say this is one of the reasons why I would have gone for um, like Apple's audiobooks or Google's audiobooks in the past over Audible. In that the outright fee to buy the audiobook, say on Google or Apple, would have only been about seven pounds, which was about that of an Audible credit. But if you didn't have an Audible subscription you would then be paying something like 20, 30, 40 quid for some books. That's just mm. not worth it. Like, I could go and actually buy the book on CD for that price. Yeah. So, you know. Um, but I will say, uh, I don't know, well, maybe I probably shouldn't say, but uh, one of the things that I've been doing recently with Audible, because I, I've been getting so many more books, um, I've actually been downloading the audiobooks and then stripping the DRM from them. Oh, I do that, and it's it's absolutely fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I do that. I've um, stripped all the DRM. It's very easy to do. Yeah, and I do that. All the all the audiobooks all down. Every time I I get a audiobook, I download it. It's on. I've got a media hard drive. I've got my file server. I've now got a media hard drive set on the file server, which is all my music on it. Mm-hmm. And so any PC on the network can just access that server, and it's it's set rather than having it on have a copy and four different machines it's just on one yeah that's that's what i started to do um recently but because i've got so much data and i I don't have a file server with enough storage on it i'm having to be a bit choosy with what i what i put and where yeah um Uh, i'm quite lucky because i'm i've always been pretty choosy anyway i don't tend to have a huge i mean i know people who have gigabytes and gigabytes of music i don't well i I have terabytes and terabytes of music so i mean i've my a chunk of my audio collection is about four terabytes oh Um, no and no no and uh, then i've got um home video wise you're talking well over 20 teras um 
Blu-ray rips, you're probably talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, my anime DVD backups were about eight or sixteen terrors. Yeah. So I've I've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of stuff. If if my music library is pushing a couple of gigs, I'd be amazed. Wow. I have so little. I I'm so picky when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. There's there's very few bits of music that I actually buy because most of the time the music most sort of like what I call mainstream music tends to come on the radio around enough that I don't go oh I really want to listen to that right now. Yeah, sure. I get so you. stuff I tend to buy is stuff that doesn't appear on the radio. So things like. Game soundtracks. I have quite a few of those. Yeah, I mean, I um, I tend to buy uh, buy those on CD. Um, I've got a, a collection a collection box of five Samurai Showdown soundtracks, and then I imported the newest games soundtrack um, on CD so I could rip those. Um, the Splatoon soundtracks. I imported those from Japan. Um, that was fun. You know, mm. uh, I tend to rip like anything I can get. If I've got it on CD, I will flat out just rip it. Although I'm I'm kind of in the middle of a, a format swap at the moment. Yeah. So if I if I want to listen at home, I like to have as high quality as possible, and I tend to go flack with that. Um, yeah. But if uh, if I'm out and about, then I tend to convert to either OG or Opus. So Vorbis or Opus. Um, and at the moment, I'm kind of saying like, if I if I have a device that will play Opus, I'm going Opus all the way because damn, those file sizes are small and the audio quality is pretty good. Yeah, I'm just I'm not an audio file, so they're all just MP3s. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's <laughs> nothing. I, I, I honestly I can't tell when I've, I've listened to like Flack or Rav, you know, the, supposedly the loss, the non-lossy mm-hmm, file mm-hmm. types. I listen to questions. I can't tell. Sure. I just can't. I ain't got the ears for it, so it, I get to save my storage space as a result. It largely depends on the type of music you're listening to. Hmm. Um, so, and it's usually only subtleties. It's kind of like the thump sounds in the low end and this kind of whiny. It's more in sustain. Where you'll find MP3 kind of loses it. So when a note is supposed to hang in the air, all of a sudden it'll kind of cut off or sound like it's being drowned underwater. Um, that's when you that's when you really kind of notice it. It isn't that big of a deal, to be honest. I don't care what anyone says. It isn't actually that big of a deal. But I would still prefer to have something closer to the to yeah. the uh, to the yeah. CD oh, file. I, I, t- I totally get that. I totally understand why people like that, but I. I haven't got the ears good enough to hear it, so... Sure. I mean, cause, but the thing is, though, when I'm at home, I've got, like, higher-quality headphones on, and, uh, you know, it, it points out those kind of imperfections a lot faster. They become a lot clearer. Yeah. Whereas when I'm out of the house, I've got a cheap pair of Bluetooth headphones on, uh, you know, and Bluetooth isn't a great way to listen to music anyway. No. Um, so an MP3 file or an OG file, I can carry a crap-ton more music... Yeah. And a lot less space, and it works well with the with the headphones and that. So I tend to have I'm like f- yeah. a selection of like. So I'll go. Here's my top, say, fifty albums this month. Convert them from FLAC to OG. Pop them on a media player, and I'm I'm done. I think you've actually hit the nail on the head for me as well. As I tend to listen to 
most stuff, the audio stuff I tend to listen to, I tend to listen to when I'm working, mainly when I'm working on the farm. I mm-hmm. tend to listen to that. Um, so, but because I work on a farm and, you know, it's mucky, gets day, stuff gets damaged, I don't t- use expensive headphones because if, if, they get, if they get dropped in a mucky but I can't find them, I don't want to just say the money's gone. So I have a six, I think five or six ninety nine pair of headphone, Bluetooth headphones I bought from Asda. Yeah, and that's what I would use because if I drop it, it doesn't worry me. I, I can mean, just go if, buy another pair. Yeah, because if so, if the connection's strong enough on the headphones to the device, then I I wouldn't say there's even a problem. I mean, right now I'm using a set of um, JVC, uh, like I think they're called like something like gummies or something like that, like really cheap, like couple quid um, uh, earbuds. Like I yeah. I use them on like uh, re- a really cheap MP3 player. So I'm having that kind of smartphoney into web net detox kind of thing. Yeah. And so I went really back to basics and it's, it's been all right. Is the quality you know, up there? No. Can I tell the difference? Yeah. But I mean, if I just want to listen to some tunes or listen to an audio book, good enough. And that's how I feel. So when I'm, I think also I, and you, you might, as, as you're more, I know you're more into audio than I am. When there's a lot of background noise and you're going to, you can't totally filter out Actually, the quality is not quite so critical, so you can't pick it up so much. Sure, that's. The, I don't know if that's the case. It just feels to, the case. to a degree. It's not. A, it's not a silent environment I work in, so I tend to always hear a bit of background noise. So as long as I can hear it enough to hear hear what is being said or song or whatever, I appreciate. It's not. I'm bummed. I. I don't. I'm not listening in silence, as it were. Sure. Like I can't. If you were in a silent room with no background noise, then the I I would have thought you'd be able to pick out the differences more. Oh yeah, sure. Then in a more noisy environment. Mm-hmm. And I will say actually as well that um, noise cancelling, like active noise cancelling in some headphones, that doesn't always do the trick for me either. Mm. To be honest, look, I I've I got a pair quite recently of headphones that have active noise cancelling. It's magical. It really is. I mean, if I'm in my house and people are talking in the room next door. Chances are I can't hear them anymore. Um, or if I'm walking down the street, like loud traffic noise just kind of becomes a shh in the background. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And then you take them off and all of a sudden you can hear like lorries going past you as if you're on a motorway kind of thing. But um, even then, I'm just like, eh, you know, really? I mean, plus they're Bluetooth. So I was like, do I, I, the quality isn't really there to start with. So yeah, it's not That's that big of a deal. That's another thing. I wouldn't have noise cancelling because, again, the environment to use them in is a, is a dangerous environment. Oh yeah, for so sure. I, I wouldn't to, recommend I it. I need for to that be able kind of to stuff. hear a piece of machinery coming towards me, or you know, I need to, be able to hear it, or I hear someone shouting. I need to, be able to hear them. Yeah. So I wouldn't touch uh, for that reason, for a safety reason, actually. Of course. Um, mainly my own, but at the same time, if someone got caught or something needed help, I need to, be able to hear them. Yeah. So I tend to have earbuds, and obviously you get some deadening from it. Of course you do. Yeah, sure. Um, but not enough. I tend to also use Bluetooth ones. The only reason being is cables get in the way. Yeah, don't when get you're me moving, started. Lifting it, the amount of times I used to, I used to obviously have cables all the time for Bluetooth sort of became a big thing, and I was constantly ripping them out of my ears constantly. Yeah. I mean, I still so, do. I still do. I prefer yeah, a wire, yeah. but there's like occasionally I'll snag them or if I'm out walking the dog with a pair of wire, uh, wired headphones on, 
they'll get ripped out of my ears if like I see another dog or or whatever. It's just yeah, it's just it's just, it's just frustrating. So I prefer one because I don't have to recharge them. Yeah, but I to be honest, my little cheap pair of Bluetooths they last all morning. Go back to the car for lunch, plug them in, charge them up over lunch, and they last all afternoon. So sure. I will say. I will say that Bluetooth has only really recently started to become reliable enough, in my opinion. Because, mm. uh, like, so I, I have a couple of older phones here. So as part of my kind of smartphone detox, I've been using a BlackBerry. Because, and I know someone's going to say, but that's a smartphone. Sure, if it had app support, which yeah. it, it, it does to a degree, but not a huge amount. And I mean, like, I just, just remove the apps that you don't want. And it's just so I can like t- I don't have to T9 text, but um, literally, uh, even a phone that's only like say five years old or three years old, Bluetooth audio is absolutely shite. You put your phone in your pocket, and all of a sudden you're getting dropouts all the time. Whereas mm. now, I mean, well, maybe three years has been a bit too brutal, but maybe, say maybe five years old or whatever, a few years old, you'd put your, you know. You get a new phone, though. You can put your phone in the middle of the house and walk around your house with Bluetooth headphones on, no dropouts, no nothing, and it's fantastic. So, I mean, realistically, for me, Bluetooth has only been a thing for a while. Um, yeah. And it's, it's amazing how, how far it's come, especially considering when you think about it, like, Apple didn't even want Bluetooth audio mm. a long, old time ago, and yet now they're, they're basically forcing everyone to have it. Yeah. I, I think my first pair of Bluetooth headphones would have been probably about three years ago actually say three four years ago um i got a free pair oh yeah um from work they gave us all headphones for free so i got a free pair um which is actually what made me actually made me turn towards bluetooth because i never i i'd i'd always had one at that point and it was frustrating but i was like oh bluetooth that's good hang on to be charged with batteries and that sort of stuff and all that sort of stuff but these free ones, so actually, that's what I say. These will turn towards. So actually, these are pretty convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, also, I used to always have my phone in my pocket, so they only had to be able to transmit a, a meter and a, a meter. And I mean, well, I, I tend to find that even if you have them in your pocket, I used to have dropouts for Bluetooth. But I mean, yeah. the the first I've just had a look. The first pair that I had that were actually any good with a phone that I had that was any good was back in twenty eighteen. So I'm not actually entirely sure what phone I was even running back yeah. in 2018, but um, the the worst device I've had for dropouts is my car. Oh yeah, yeah. Often it doesn't go but uh, half an hour doesn't go by about a brief first bit only for a second, but also it'll just be music. Also just go quiet for a second, then it'll just come back. Yeah, and the phone doesn't even move. The phone sits where it is. It's not like the phone's going to have range. So See, that would drive me nuts. I mean, I've got um, like, I've got wireless headphones. So I've got a Corsair pair and an Asus pair for uh, just like so I I can do Discord chats and stuff, but be away from my PC kind of thing. And fuck me, I could be sat there, just sat here. I could have the the fucking dongle on an extension right next to my face, and every now and then I'll just go fade out, and I'm like, hello, hello. What's going on? Hello? And then, was a, and then the conversation comes up. Like, What's up, Scott? I was like, fucking headset is just disconnected. I, does my head in. Absolutely yeah. drives me insane. My biggest annoyance 
actually my Bluetooth my car. Now I don't know if it's the car at fault or the phone. Right. Is that when I if I walk away so let's say I have my my my, my car switched on, so it's got Bluetooth, so the phone wants to connect to it as it does. Mm-hmm. I've always got my headphones on. So I'll get out of the car, plus I'll go check a fence. I'll leave the car running because you're only going to be out for a minute and it's just and you know, particularly in the winter time, you want to keep the heater running and so forth. So when you get when you when you step out, you get back in a nice warm vehicle. Mm-hmm. So you get out of the car, you walk away, and you you know say use my headphones. And you walk away, and you're checking the fence and so forth. And at some point, you come slightly back within range of the car, and it'll automatically redevelop everything to the car. The car takes precedence over my headphones. That's annoying. It is fucking annoying. And because some Tropolis, it does does it. If you, let's say, where it's really more annoying is, and as I just I say, I don't often listen to audiobooks when I'm working. I have a phone in my pocket. I don't have my headphones on. The car's playing audiobook. I pause it. I get out. Phone's in my pocket. I've got my headphones on. Walk, do something. Come, sometimes I'm doing something while. Come back. I hear, why is there talking coming from my car? At some point, it's reconnected back to the car. I just started playing again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've, I've jumped, slot, gone forward several minutes where it's been playing. Sure. And it's like, well, why would you do that? I've paused you. It's the- why did you? Assume, I don't know if that's the phone soft, phone size thinking. Oh, it'll be helpful. If the car saying. I hey, would say it's playing. a combination of the two on the grounds that every time your phone goes out of range of the car and then comes back in range of the car, it reconnects and sees it as a new device because it's the newest device that it's tried to connect to. It's like. This is the one you want to play sound out of. But you think so, but surely the device I'm actively using at that moment must be the device I want to yeah, use. Yeah, it's just, like, it's why, just, why it's just trying to be helpful. I mean, I have that too. Like when people turn on them, turn on our TV, I have a pair of uh, Bluetooth headphones. I've got like so many different pairs of headphones, but I have a pair of headphones connected up to my TV set mm-hmm. so that uh, if you know people are asleep and I want to listen to a film, just pop my headphones on, I sit on the sofa... And uh, and that's really cool, but I often find that like so I, I think I connected that up to my MP3 player, my media player, and I'm just wandering, you know, wandering about listening to some tunes. Some fucker will turn on the telly, and my headphones will go, "Oh hey, do you want to listen to that?" And I'm like, "No, I don't want to listen to daytime news. Like, no, get that shit out of my ears." Yeah, surely the fact that I'm already playing something with you tells you that I'm happy with what's being played through it. Mm. It's, it's so. weird, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't think. I can't think as how the person is intended to be used as. I wish you it could give it a priority list. It must be based. Well, yeah. Simply, if you're already doing something, don't change. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's back. If it's an old, old leftover from the early days protocol when also you only have one Bluetooth device. Maybe. Let's face it, back in the day, you might only have your car or a set or a dock, a dock might be the only Bluetooth device you've got. Mm-hmm. What really gets me is that they say, I mean, they can connect to multiple devices at once. They say they can't, but they can. Cause the Apple Watch connects via Bluetooth. Uh, my my expensive uh, noise cancelling headphones will connect to multiple devices. Yeah. I've, I was told, I remember reading once, that the protocol was designed so you couldn't do that, but it's clearly a lie. Mm-hmm. Or they've ch- updated the patch to the newer version. They say you can, but in that case, why don't I just play through both? There you go, problem solved. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not a Bluetooth designer, so yeah, that's it. First world problems and all that. So, anyways, guys, what have you been up to? 
Well, um, I did mention that uh, yesterday was the good day. And I've been saying now for months that there's only been one thing that I've really been interested in being released game-wise for, for 2021. Yes. It, I have no release date on that yet. <laughs> it's coming. We just don't know when and on what. Um, although I have been told that East games are coming to Google Stadia, so it's not dead yet, <laughs> despite what people say. So... You know, I just like I said, I just haven't got a release date on East Nine yet. But Monster Hunter Rise released yesterday for Nintendo Switch, and fuck me, it's beautiful for a Nintendo Switch game. It looks good and it plays great. With one downside, it's modern Monster Hunter. Uh, it's not classic Monster Hunter. So uh, to go back over my rant with Monster Hunter World, traditionally Monster Hunter has been a very deliberate series. The idea being that you're a little hunter, caveman, geezer, or whatever time period you're in. Generally, you look like a caveman. You know, you've got like you're wearing skins and all that kind of stuff. Um, your your weapons are made out of bone or or other primitive materials. And uh, you have to just basically go out, prep yourself, go out, kill big monster, harvest it for parts, upgrade your gear, go out and kill bigger monsters. And if you wanted to heal, as an example, it would take time. You could literally go 1-1000, And if you hadn't chugged that potion or herb or whatever it was that you were using to heal... And the monster would, the second you hit heal, the monster would aggro you. You'd get hit. You would just stand there. The animation would play that you're putting the potion or item to your mouth. And then your character would like kind of do a flex to say, I've healed. That's another way to just kind of make you stand there kind of thing. And then you can't move again until that animation's over. So there was a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities for the monster to punish you for being a cocky dick. If you hadn't already learned the monster's attack patterns kind of thing. So... Then with Monster Hunter World, just a simple example anyway, but healing, you can walk with your fucking potion. You can't run with it, but you can walk with it. So it's like, oh, yeah, you know, monster's about to attack me. I'm just going to, you know, walk to the left a bit. The monster then charges at you straight, like straight line charge and it misses. It's, it got so much easier just for little changes like that. Harvesting. To be fair, in real life, you can walk and drink something. Which is fair, but that's not what made Monster Hunter a challenge. I know what you're saying. So, you're saying. or harvesting. Okay, so let's say you want to pick honey, herbs, whatever. In Monster Hunter One, again, the game would punish the shit out of you if you were cocky enough to try and do it whilst you were fighting a big monster. Okay, so you'd then have to. Go down to the ground to where like, the bush or the plant is or whatever. You dig around the bush. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three. And then it'll say, oh, you've got the item. If you're doing that when the monster's rampaging, you are dead. In Monster Hunter World, just run. Just sprint full speed, right? And then just keep spamming the, the kind of harvest button or the search button or whatever it is. And you could be running full speed and your arm just swipes out. You'll like stagger step to half speed for like maybe a second. Grab the item you want. 
That item will then be auto-crafted into like a potion or a, a, you know, an antidote or whatever it is you've just gone and grabbed. And you keep on going. You haven't had to stand there and, and combine or craft. It's all been done for you in a split second. And that really irked me because it yeah. made world so, so easy. A friend and I went back to Monster Hunter Classic. Like uh, We went to Monster Hunter Freedom, which was the portable Monster Hunter 1. And my God, that game is fucking balls hard. Like, if you haven't played a classic Monster Hunter game in a long time, going back to that style of Monster Hunter where the game just says, mate, mate, no, wah, and you're dead, uh, is, is a bit of a shock. Well, Rise is modern Monster Hunter. It's Monster Hunter World style. And I'll be honest with you, it's not bad. It isn't bad. Um... But Monster Hunter have World... Have they changed anything? Have they changed anything about the sword mechanics? They made it, like, more comp... More like the old Monster Hunter? Or they left it as No, it they've, it's as is, if not easier. So okay. you have extra... Uh, right, so, so, so the reason... Right, the reason I find it weird that they've gone the new way, and it shouldn't be, because I've explained the cash grab scenario, right? With Monster Hunter Generations on the Switch? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just quickly... Monster Hunter Generations was a, a DS game, a 3DS game. And Monster Hunter games tend to have a portable version and a home console version. They have done for years. When the Switch came out, Japan got the Japanese version of Monster Hunter Generations, which was called Monster Hunter Double Cross. Okay? We already had a Western version of Generations back in like 2016, something like that. So we already had a translation. But they didn't release a Western version for the Switch. They just didn't. Monster Hunter World comes out a year later and sells phenomenally well. And it was at that point that I think to myself, Capcom has realized the Switch is selling very well, World is selling very well, and they're sitting on a translation that they've already completed. Let's release Monster Hunter Generations on switch to the rest of the world rake in that cash so it was an old monster hunter game an old style monster hunter game that came out after technically the the theme had changed you know world had broken new ground and we went back to classic monster hunter randomly so it was a bit of a toss-up as to whether or not rise was going to be new or old well they weren't new world players think that rise is too easy and I think world players need to shut the fuck up because world was ridiculously easy to start with. Um, so, in Monster Hunter Rise, it has a Japanese Monster Hunter theme. So, normally you'd be in like a, I don't know, a, a, like I said, like a, a primitive village. Now you're in like, you've got pagodas, uh, cherry blossoms everywhere. Your characters are kind of more dressed like ninjas. And, uh, and Samurai than, uh, than normal, which is a, a look they've gone for before with Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, uh, which was a Japan-only release. And uh, it introduces a new sidekick character, which is a dog, which you can ride into battle. So you can ride it around, which is a new mechanic that okay. you've not had before. And the dog can also provide support, so it can do attacks as well. 
You have how spoils your, your character? They can ride a dog into battle. Well, the fact is that the dog's about nine feet tall. That's terrifying. Yeah, the dog's about the same size as some of the dinosaurs that you fight. That's that's more like a wolf than anything. Yeah, else. pretty much. But I mean, mine looks like a dopey spaniel. So, you know, I've, is it called Charlie? No, I've called him. What about me? <laughs> so uh, brilliant. So um, and but so traditionally, you'd normally have like you'd have a single helper, and that's a palico, which is a cat, and they'll heal you, attack monsters, stuff like that. That's unrealistic. No cat would heal you. Exactly. So. Um, because there are other palicos in the game that steal shit from you, which is very much like a That's cat. That's more realistic. Exactly. Yeah. So now, a real palico would push something off a table edge and onto your head. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah, you know, the the enemy palicos will rob that one item that you desperately need, and you're like, you yeah. little fucker, as you then get sideswiped by a big monster, and the little bastard is just taking your yeah. last potion. What it should do is, as you're laying dying on the ground, it should come and slay on top of you to get the last of your warmth. That's pretty much how it works. That is pretty much how it works. They are cheeky little bastards, and they get in the way, no end. Um, so yeah, you, you start now with two helper characters, the dog and the cat. Normally you'd only start with a cat. So people are complaining, oh, it's too easy now because you've got the dog. You've got two companion characters right from the start. Well, you unlocked a second companion character in most of the other Monster Hunter games anyway. It's just you've got one from the start. And it's not like the, the companion characters actually do a huge amount of damage either. They do like five points of damage, where my sword as it stands does like 70. <laughs> so it's not massively easy. They're not, they're not help, that helpful. They're, they're basically, what they're there for is to be an aggro magnet. They're there to take the heat from you if you needed a break to heal. But because it's world mechanics and you can already, you know, kind of strut around and heal, you don't need it. <laughs> So, um, there's that. Items are now displayed on the map by default. So, you don't need to look for harvest points like honey or point, like, you know, uh, mining points or anything like that. They are all listed on the map. You don't search for anything. In Monster Hunter World, they introduced the idea of you would track a monster. So, in classic Monster Hunter games, they told you nothing. You go into a map... You've got to find the monster. Look for the fucking thing. Okay? In Monster Hunter World, it was... Well, if you can find the monster's footprints... Like, if you can find a couple of them... And they're usually in the same place on every on the map. Every time. Just run around like you do. Full speed. Keep mashing that search button or the gather button or whatever. And if you come across footprints, we will analyze them. Sarcastic air quotes. Analyze them. And then when you have enough data on the monster, we will have these firefly things that will go off and lead you to the monster. They will point you to where you need to go. In some cases, that really sucks because the game got really easy because you didn't have to hunt for the monster anymore. You used to have to find it, paintball it, and then hope your paintball didn't wear off before before you killed the damn thing. So if not, you'd have to search for it again. With these little bugs, they would constantly track it once you figured out where it was kind of going to be by finding the footprints. Um, in, as I say, like in, in World, that was, in, to a degree, it was kind of necessary for it to point out where things were because World was a very pretty game and the like items and things would just kind of blend into the scenery. So they needed something to kind of highlight where things were. You know, Monster Hunter has traditionally looked like a PlayStation 2 game 
because it started on PlayStation 2, they never really upgraded the graphics any. And so, like, I don't know, a herb bush would be like, there's this bland, flat surface with a, a, a tree coming out of it. And you're like, oh, hey, there's some herb. In Monster Hunter World, there was grass blowing in the wind and, and all this stuff. And you're like, shit, where's, where's the herbs at, man? Where's the herbs? So to have something to show you where things were was kind of understandable. It was a bit annoying, but it was understandable. Um, in But in, in Rise, it's like, mate, it's there. It's there. It's on the map. It's there. You want it? It's there. You want to find the monster? Don't worry. We're already doing it. It's there. We're going to just tell you it's there on the map. Just go to it. And so, you know, it's easier in that sense. Like, there's one less step for me to find the monster now, but eh. You know, world was already ridiculously easy. As a classic player, I just have to get over the fact that people don't like a challenge anymore. So, you know. Um, and the other, I guess the other big change is, there's there's two more, I guess. They introduced a grappling hook in world that you could use to, like, climb things quicker. You now have that in Rise. Rise has a lot of aerial combat. So you can kind of uh, use, like, a grappling hooky... I don't remember what it's called, but it's like this bug thing that you can use to kind of string shot your way onto cliff edges and stuff like that. And you can use like ninja running skills to run up walls and stick to another thing and jump over and, and kind of grapple and hook onto another object. It's very kind of fly aroundy kind of stuff. So they introduced that, uh, like a, an advanced version of the Monster Hunter Wild Grappling Hook. And then... Um, you can stun a monster to be able to ride it. Like, actually physically ride it. So in previous Monster Hunters, after Monster Hunter 4, you could mount a monster and stab it and stab it and stab it whilst it tried to shake you off to do big damage. And then if you succeeded, it would knock it, you would topple it and it would fall over and then you could do more damage to it. If, uh, if you didn't, though, you'd just fall off and it would then go on attacking you as normal. Um, in... In Rise, though, you don't just mount it and topple it. You mount it, ride it, and can use it to attack other monsters for a brief period of time. They do say as well, you can do this skill that does massive damage with that monster to another monster. But I looked at it and I was like, that barely does more damage than what my basic attack does. Or you can get the monster to run at the wall and hurt itself. And again... For me, using my weapon class, it did fucking nothing <laughs> compared to what I would do just wailing on it anyway. So it just seemed like a bit of a waste of time to me. But those are the big changes. The game itself is beautiful. It looks fantastic for a Monster Hunter game on the Nintendo Switch. The fact that they managed to port world-style graphics, world-style mechanics to the Switch is... I mean, I'm, I was gobsmacked. Absolutely gobsmacked. The game looks fantastic. It's easily one of the best-looking games on Nintendo Switch. Um, music. A solid Monster Hunter tunes. Um, story. There's no point. It's Monster Hunter story. Get out there. Go kill monster. Protect village. Job done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's actually really fun. I think Monster Hunter World just came a little too soon for me. Yeah, you know, too much of a shock. And it probably also didn't help that my PlayStation 4 was dying at the time. So every time we'd do a big hunt, my PlayStation 4 would crash, and then I'd have to do the hunt again. 
but none of my mates would have to do it because they're they'd already gone through and saved. It would always crash just before he had to save. So, but in, in, in Rise, it's been fantastic. Combat is smooth, it's fluid, it's quick. Um, I, I don't like the idea that they've taken away a lot of the search kind of aspect to it. They've reduced the difficulty quite a bit, but if you just want to run around wailing on monsters, it's great. So in the old games, from like initially starting a hunt to finding the monster, how long would you reckon that would take you? Uh, so you're generally world? given about 50 minutes to do a hunt in monster. They, they will give you a 50-minute time limit. And it's either to kill the monster or run out of time or die. In Monster Hunter Rise, I don't think I've had a fight that has lasted more than a single one-on-one -on -one fight. I don't think I've had a single one that's lasted anywhere near... 20 minutes, 15 minutes-ish. Oh. Um, on, on one, I did two monsters in 20 minutes. Um, See, as, as to me, if, if the game's got the word hunter in it, part of, the, part of the, the fun of it is the hunting, the tracking it down, finding it. Yeah. That, that's, that, sort of, that sort of strikes me of what the sort of point of it is to do. I mean, I, I've played hunting games, and that's... More, the more important bit is actually hunting the animal down rather than actually the sort of actual combat at the end. Yeah. So, uh... They've, they took all it. of that out of, of Monster Hunter World. There was very little hunt left, to be honest. That's a shame. Uh, whereas in... in um, Well, like, as an example now as well, like one of the old tactics used to be that... So, if you're playing Classic... The map was split into segments, so you'd have like you know segments one through nine or one through twelve or whatever, and you'd all break up at the start. So let's say there's three of us. Say there's me, you, and Zaber on a game night, right? And uh, I don't know. I'll say right. We're starting in one. You go left. I'll go straight up the middle. Zaber go right. Whoever gets there first would then call out to the other players. You could beacon out. Like there's like a chirp, like a radar kind of beep that you can do, and it'll show on the map where where you've beaconed out. So then people go, ah, that's where the monster is. Or if you're in a call, you go, yeah, I'm in like, I'm in seven. Monster's in seven. And then everyone kind of comes to seven. Then you'd have to paintball it. So that would then mark it and put it on the map. And then people could follow it whilst that paintball was active. Because sometimes a monster can just take off. If it's a flying monster, it'll just take off and it will fuck off along a path that you can't follow and go to a different zone. And then you'd have to hunt it again. If you've paintballed it, well, the map tells you where it is. Okay? In World and in um, and in Rise, you don't have to do that anymore. It just tells you where the monster is. So in Rise, specific, like straight away, like we start the fight. Uh, yeah, mate, monster's on five. Everyone just runs straight to five. Um, it, it, it's kind of taken that thrill out of it like shit there it is you know who's going to find it are they going to be able to hold their own until the team catches up with them kind of thing um that's that's just that's not a thing anymore that one little thrill is gone for me um, it sounds to me that we need to add the monster hunter game into our list of games we need to play for games though. and we can do it because the playstation portable games can be emulated classic monster hunter one through three can be emulated and that has net play and it works quite well 
because I've already done there it. Me and my mate Divine were playing it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Monster Hunter World is always on sale on PC, pretty much. You can get it for as cheap as like £12 now, I think, for the base game. So if you want to try both, that's always an option. Um, uh, $24.99 on Steam at the moment. Is that with Iceborne or just the base game? Uh, this is Monster Hunter World. Ah, oh, okay. Um, by Monster Hunter World, $24.99. Monster Hunter World Iceborne Digital Deluxe, $41.99. Master, Iceborne Master Edition, $49.99. And Iceborne Master Edition Digital Deluxe, $57.99. All right, give me one second. Uh, so let's have a look. That's on Steam. I've not looked anywhere else. I just had to have Steam open, so I thought I'd quickly have a look. Right, Monster Hunter World, PC. Oh, wow, that's gone up. That's actually gone up. That's absolutely terrifying. That's weird. Depending on where... Uh, Monster Hunter World, PC, EU, $13.99. Oh, where's that off? Uh, CD keys. Um, or oh, seven seventeen ninety nine for the for the full world universe. I don't know if there's really a difference if it's region locked or whatever. But well, it's now on my wish list. There you go. Fantastic. So I mean, it, it it will be it's worth playing. It's a fantastic co op game. I mean, I played classic Monster Hunter games for so the first three by myself. But you know, back when we were in college. Yes. That's when I started playing Monster Hunter. I think I'm sure you talked about it at some point. Yeah, because uh, um, the only people I knew that had PSPs it was uh, me, Scribs, and Weasel, and none of them had Monster Hunter. I eventually got Scribs into Monster Hunter, but we never really hung out much, so we didn't get much of a chance to play. So I would largely play uh, Monster Hunter solo. Um, it wasn't until the one on the Nintendo Wii that I actually got to play with other human players. And that was fucking great. It's absolutely brilliant. And now the fact that you can emulate these games and kind of and play them online is brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I would say we'll start with Monster Hunter Freedom, which is the first yeah. one on PlayStation Portable. Um, have a go at that on game night at some point, and then eventually yeah. work our way up to Monster Hunter World. And then you can t you can Fair then enough. tell me if you think it's easier. Or harder, or okay. which you prefer. Monster Hunter World has a lot of quality of life stuff in it. Same with Monster Hunter Rise. I can't complain about that. But in giving people a lot of quality of life stuff, they've kind of taken away that that kind of that shine. Yeah, there's a balance. There's quality of life, and there's taking away some of the sore point. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at like. I look like the original Stalker game, for example, like Call of, or Call of Pripyat, as well, I would say, to play. There's a lot of nitty-gritty stuff in there, which actually I could see if it was given to, say, a more Western developer would remove mm -hmm. or streamline or take away. Because like, oh, well, there seems to be a fascination with modern games that... You have to keep it like really streamlined and simple. The core, the core bits have to be, you know, straightforward and simple. You know, oh, we, we can't let people possibly get straight from the shooty shooty part. So let's make all the sort of more nitty gritty stuff. You know, you know the fact that you have a grid based infantry in stalker, which means you don't have to just deal with weight, but also physical shape yeah. of something. There are a lot of most mo. Oh, there are exceptions to the rule, but vast majority of modern games just don't bother doing that they just go by weight most of the time you'll get weight and 
if you're over-encumbered, you just can't sprint anywhere. Yeah. And to be fair, Stalker did that as well, where you just couldn't sprint. But being caught, not being able to sprint out in the open was just fatal. Yeah. You know, you, you were just you were just asking to get exposed to death. So it wasn't a... It was it was a real... There was a real risk-reward there. I mean, where's it something like, say, Skyrim, if you're over-encumbered? Well, you know, I'll just take a bit longer to get back to the village. That's no problem. Yeah, or, no fast travel. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be a there, but I'm never very far away from a merchant, so it's not sure. really going to be a problem. See, that's the that's so, the thing with Monster Hunter as well. Like in classic Monster Hunter, like you had to, so you have a stamina bar, and that's constantly going down. Like over a period of time, you'll have like say a full stamina bar, then it'll go to three quarters, half, and when that goes down, you can't sprint. That's also linked to your dodge roll, right? So you then have to start managing resources. So you've only got 50 minutes. The fight might take with, say, weapons that are going to match up to that monster's level. Fight might take half an hour, maybe a bit longer. And you're like, well, I could try and scab getting these, like, say, these healing herbs and this honey in the zone with the monster at the same time as the fight, risking losing more health. Or do I break away risk losing time, risk losing the monster to go and get the stuff whilst I'm safe. Yeah. In Monster Hunter World and in Monster Hunter Rise, mate, I'm just going to run at it and spam that grab button because I can just do it anytime. There's nothing wrong with making games slightly unfair, mm-hmm. or even quite heavily unfair. There's nothing wrong putting these constraints on people, making the game unfair. I think some... I think some game developers are scared that the way that people pick it up and bounce off it. Yes. And that's true, actually. I think a lot of... I think that comes with... I think there's an age retracted to... I think when you're younger, you tend to be more like that with games. You tend to bounce off... I, I, in general. In general. Sure. Not everybody's the same. Um, whereas I think as you get older, you're more tolerant to like actually... There's a reason why I think you don't see so many young people playing things like flight simulator or dcs or very complicated you use a lot of practice and time to get into it so you don't see as many young people they tend to be more and i don't mean old in like 30 40s or 50s i mean like sort of you know late 20s you know, yeah. it's more you've got i think you see that they tend to be more into those sort of games because there's no there needs to be a, there's that there needs to be a reward loop and actual fact for those games reward loop happens really late in when you've actually got the hang of how to sort of just take off or what have you and I think that's what game developers are more scared about because if they put a game there where people just bounce off it they'll just say it's crap Yeah, and they'll go on Facebook, Reddit um, whatever the other is and just paste yeah this game's crap I was all playing it's like oh what's sure of this all sort of stuff and that creates that negative feeling which is perhaps so you, you almost want to make him and I know it sounds like an old that's a very old man argument oh in my day it's mm-hmm. this but I think I tend to notice that PC games tend to be less like that. And I think that's because, in general, the average PC gamer is older yeah. than the average console gamer. And that's always been the case for a long time, that's been the case. So they're more tolerant to that type of thing. So, and that's what I like. I love games like Stalker, which are like deeply unfair. Yeah. And you will just die constantly. But when you succeed, it's wonderful. Yeah. I love games like that. I love games where, you know, you can just do all your... I mean, let's say things like save anyway, that sort of stuff, but I love games like that. But 
I also I do also enjoy the games where it's just sort of into it more, but I just without saying like a lot man, I feel that's where game events have have started to move towards and are encouraged to be towards and probably more by publishers than anything else. Yeah. Because I could see why I mean, the way you describe... I mean, look like, say, Vanilla World of Warcraft compared to a modern MMO. Yeah. It is... I don't think it'd be... For a lot of games, I don't think it'd just be tolerable. They just would bounce off it. Yeah, a lot of, lot of players even tried Classic. They went back to Classic and were like, we can't do this, it's too hard, it takes too long, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, we haven't got time to invest in getting good at this game. And it's like, I understand that. You know, I, I do yeah. understand that, but... Sometimes you know, always, there's that yeah. there's that thrill, as you say, that fucking oh yeah, I've done it, I've finally done it, and you know it was a challenge, and I had to work yeah. and and get good. Um, I think it's also a case of there is actually there was this is gonna sound weird, but there was less choice. Yeah, you know, there was, there was actually less because now you know big releases are generally competing with each other more frequently now. There's always going to be a new release come out and it's got to compete. So it's got to compete and it's got to be competitive and fun and grab grab you instantly type thing. Whereas back in the day, you might like, oh, you spend your your hard-earned pocket money on a copy of World of Warcraft and that's it. That's all you've got. Mm-hmm. Your subscription, that's it. You've paid for your subscription. That's all you've got. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. So you've got to get something out of it. So you tend to stick with it. And that sounds more like a hostage situation than anything. But I think what mentions you've got... You got taught, you got used to sort of actually things are hard, and it is weird actually. If you play a lot more modern games, and you go back, you go back to I mean, look at things like look at things like Rainbow Six, went to Rainbow Six. Yeah. Compare original Rainbow Six, or even up to say Raven Shield on the PC, because I know consoles were always different to the PC versions. But even the consoles were like you couldn't early ones. You were like one shit, you were dead, you were gone. Yeah. Compared to modern Rainbow Six, I mean, as soon as they put regenerating health in Rainbow Six, it was like, oh, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, they they went it's, Master it's, Chief on it. Yeah, I'm not. As soon as it got sort of like, so, so Xbox ruined Rainbow Six, in my opinion. That's where they sort of like went down the route of, okay, so there's no planning phase. You just have a team of your elite team of soldiers who go in at a linear level. You don't care what you have no plan of what you're going to do. You're just going to go through it because like that's how special forces work, apparently. And, oh yeah, if you get shot, no, just dump behind cover for, for a minute, so you'd be fine. Admittedly, they didn't uh, do that until after Ravenshield. No, Ravenshield was saw the last of the... I mean, yeah, but they, they had that on system. console too. They did, yes. And they I, did. I will say I did, it was quite good on say, console. Yeah, I said the early consoles were like that as well. It was, just, they, later on, it was, the three, it was like uh, the 360 ones. As soon as yeah. COD 4 came out, like that was it. Shooters were changed forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody said, oh, let's just copy. They don't have to, because that's so okay. They make games be really popular. Great. Okay. Doesn't mean you have to copy them. Mm-hmm. Because there's a group of who love your game and don't like that game, but you're just going to say, well, we're just going to copy them because it's it's obviously what the popular formula is. You don't have to just copy the, the leader of the pack all the time. Yep. And I, I, I still think there's a market out there for a more. I mean, Armour proves it. You know, again, Armour, I don't think Armour's... Did they release, they, did they release Armour on the consoles? I can't remember if they did. I don't know. They might have released a variant of it, but I don't I don't, I don't. don't know. Yeah, I know Operation Flashpoint got released on consoles. I don't remember if Armour ever did or not. But Armour is definitely, a, is, is definitely the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a very 
unfair game. You know, you play armor, you you, you basically are looking to get punished. You're battle hardened by the time you finish it. You can get took up by a bullet from a clobber away. Sure, it's it's a really unfair game, but it's realistic. It's a really it's a military simulator. It's designed to be like that. It's meant to be like that. It's meant to be run and gun doesn't work in it. You can try, but it won't get very far, like it would in real war. Sure. So it's it's. I think that's just why, and it sounds to be the same thing has happened with your monster hunter, where they've gone towards a has been a quick ward. That get those endorphins running quickly in the player's head, and let's take away some of the more complicated aspects. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Monster Hunter ruled. never had like a huge amount of depth to it because it was a no. it started on PlayStation Two, but the, the taking away the little bits that it did have to make it quicker, to make combat yeah. faster. It's like as you say, some of the thrill was finding the monster, learning its patterns, learning its path, learning where it nests and stuff like that. Where does it sleep? Where does it go to feed? Because, you know, it can get its own stamina back. It has a stamina bar as well. So you have to, you know, you could learn where does it go to feed? Well, if it's running away, it might be going to the nest or um, depending on what tell it has, is it dribbling, foaming at the mouth and it might be hungry. You know, so then it has to go and get stamina back. So it'll waddle off to go and feed. So if you know where the feeding point is, go there. If it's got to go to sleep, well, then you know where it nests. Go to where the nest is at. All of that kind of vanished in Monster Hunter World. Um, I should also say, thinking about it, everyone says Dark Souls hard. Okay? I think Monster Hunter is probably harder than Dark Souls. And it's more fucking brutal than dark souls that combat role you do in souls is is that's monster hunter that's classic monster hunter now don't get me wrong once you've geared up and you've got practice and you learn the monsters patterns and the attacks you'll be blazing through monster hunter in no time flat but until you do those games will be dark souls hard yeah. You know, and, and that's what I liked. I liked those games to have a challenge. I liked those games to just grab you by the balls. You didn't always have to upgrade your gear either, so you could just run into that next fight and know that a monster would sideswipe you and you were fucking dead. Uh, and that's what made it fun. But that's not how it works in World. I mean, I can take a full ball, like World and in Rise. I mean, I can take a full blast hit from a monster at the start of the game and maybe only lose one-tenth of my health bar. So I've got plenty of time to recover and heal and because healing items are plentiful in Ryzen World, it just kind of it got really easy. Whereas in, in, in Monster Hunter 1, as an example, I went into a fight completely undergeared. The monster hit me and half of my health, over half of my health just disappeared in one shot. I was just like... Oh my fucking god! Like, how am I gonna win this? Well, that was that was classic hunter for you. You had to practice. You had to learn. You had to get good. Yeah. You'll do die again and again and again until you get yeah where you need to be. If you don't learn it, you don't you don't get it. If you don't progress, if you don't think about it, you don't learn the patterns. You don't prepare for the fight. You're stuffed. Hmm. So, um, and that's, 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 that's the kind of stuff they took away. They, they super simplified it to make it more action-based. Um, and they took away that slow, methodical, you know. Yeah. But 
Rise is still good. Still good. But if if you're if you're up for playing some Monster Hunter on yeah, I'll give on it a game go. nights, that'll be fucking fantastic. I will recommend yeah. hooking up a control pad though. Okay, fair enough. I've got a control pad, so yeah, chuck it on the um, chuck it on the spreadsheet. Well, fantastic. Right. Well, what have you been playing, Ram? Well, so I've still been sort of finishing off Disco Elysium, so I don't want to get back into that because I spent a lot of time on that last time. So I thought I better play something a bit different, something quite so quick and short. So I played this week a game called Stories Untold. Okay. Um, it's originally was released, um, from what I understand, it was originally a single episode was released. It's, it was four episodes, each of which is about half hour long. So you can do the whole game in a couple of hours. Sure. Literally one, I literally breathed through it on Tuesday evening in a couple of hours. Um, and each level, as it were, it's, it's not in the game, it's made in Unity, it's definitely made in Unity. It has the Unity, it's, I've, I suspect it's made in the free version of Unity because it has the Unity icon on the, which is the default icon you get when you make a game in Unity oh, right. on the um, taskbar, because also got a screen, I could see the taskbar, I could see the little Unity icon there, so, oh yeah, you better, and the little Unity splash screen where you have the default set controls, mm-hmm. and the controls are all still there, but you don't use any of them, they just not bother, that's the default set that comes with you, with a default Unity sure. project, they just not, so, it's clearly, it was definitely made, it's definitely a little indie game, um, so I wasn't expecting a lot from it. I thought I'll give it a go. I'm not expecting a lot from this. That's all I set the tone for. Uh, it's some sort of little Unity project. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. This is sort of making me think of. I come on that game I played last year. That really pretentious, artsy game. That guy of all his dreams. I can't remember what it was called. I. It was. Uh, it was. It was. I. It was basically. I've done a Unity tour on this. I'll therefore make it at a level of yeah, my game. Sure. And then I'll release the game and charge people for it and be all pretentious about it when people don't get it. And like, oh, shut the fuck up, mate. We don't care. <laughs> um, it was like, he it it, it had whole like monologues where he's just talking about what makes his game special and stuff. It's like, no, mate, you, this, it's just a Unity tutorial. They teach this on the Unity website. There's nothing special here. You ain't done anything. Just fuck off. Yeah, I get you. You know, but you're being, you're being a typical teenage angsty Theme and they have the audacity to put it on Steam, you know, as a project to show what you can do. Fine, it's like I'm, I'm going to rant, so I'm going on a rant here about a game which I can't remember what it was called now, <laughs> um, which is all which is what it deserves. So, story so it's four episodes, each of which is a different style of game. They play different, they play quite differently, uh, but they also tend to sort of have callbacks to the original. Um, I'd say that they so the first one um, episode is called House Abandoned, uh, which is basically you are playing a text adventure. And I love they, text adventures. Yeah, well, this is basically a little. It's only a little text. It's not very big. It's not very in depth. Um, but you are playing a little text adventure, and you but you start. But they've set it up so that you are on your screen. It looks like I'd say sort of nineteen seventy, sort of like set up. So you've got an old TV, you've got a little um, computer system which is is loading the game off a tape. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got like some picture frames, you've got a little lamp and so forth. Game of the year. And yeah, and the game, and then on the, on the TV, the game, the text adventure loads up, and then you play a text adventure. You know, type in go here, go there, and so forth. 
And you'll play it. It's Close weird, though, I'd love it if go here, go there, and so forth was the way you actually beat the game. That would have been great. <laughs> that would be good. It isn't, unfortunately. But, you know, you know, it's say this, you know, use this, that sort of thing. You know what Chexman yeah. works like. Um, Basic pass and engine. S- and- yeah. I have to say that was fairly, eff- that was surprisingly effective, actually. It created an atmosphere. Even I think the fact that they've gone has all like sort of dressing it up mm-hmm. actually works really well. I was playing through this and I was actually getting quite into it. And there's a twist or halfway through, uh, which I won't say what it is, but it's it works fairly well. It worked really well. It was like I actually made, actually made it, there was a bit where it did make me sort of it was it's meant to be a horror game, and it did make my my skin goosebump for split seconds. Like oh, that was not what I was um expecting because it's a bit weird what's going on. I was like, oh, okay, this is um this is interesting. Um uh, so that's the first that's the first one. That's that's quite neat. Um uh, the second one um is set in a laboratory and you are some sort of technician or something on a do your research. You're doing um some research on on an ob an artifact that they found and you've got to basically do experiments, and you have like a, de- a big vat of like there's like an X-ray machine, there's a drill, there's like a TV monitor and a camera, there's a waveform generator, uh, there's like an amplifier and stuff, and you have to basically read the instructions on what they want you to do. Like they'll say, okay, we want you to test this object with a laser at this wavelength. You have to go configure the experiments. Or stuff, and then you begin the experiment, and you can see the results on the screen and so forth. And so that's a bit more fun because you actually enter, you still got your computer based interface, but you're sort of switching between that and this sort of like more depth view. That's quite, that's really quite neat because you have to sort of like, you know, configure stuff and so forth. In this episode, you can't go wrong. You can't, if you make it, it won't let you, unless you've got configured right, it won't let, it won't work. There's like a, they actually said the scientists said start, oh, well, we have to sort of dual configure it. So unless your configuration matches ours, you, we won't let you do the experiment. And so there's a little button you have to press to actually start it. It won't let you do it until you press it up. But you do this sort of like various stages of this experiment on this object, gradually work your way into it and find out what it is. And yeah, and again, it's got sort of a twist or halfway through where it, gets, it all goes basically weird and strange and plot and... And suddenly you jump back into a text adventure game again. Which is really weird, because you're sort of like playing a text adventure game back to how it was originally. It's very strange, very weird, very strange. Sure. I mean, God, this is a bit, it's a bit weird, because you're trying to think, what's this game trying to teach me? And these do seem to be sort of tied together, each le- each story. Then the third one is you're at a, I'm guessing, some sort of Arctic relay station or radio relay station or something up you're in the middle of nowhere somewhere snowy i think it might be sort of like greenland type place somewhere snowing and you are basically being sent radio transmissions with a frequency and you've got a little radio tuner you can tune the frequency in and you might hear like code words and stuff right and you have a little and in the corner of the room you have a little microfish Oh, cool. Oh, remember to, yeah, 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 I know what they micro, are. And it works just like a microfish. Literally, you can like, just sort of spin through it and you have to like zoom in and refocus it. And 
look round. It works just like a microfish does. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And but that's like the, they. It, what it looks like someone's done is they've like they took this all like operations manual and they've turned to a microfish. So it's like, and it's got that sort of like grainy, badly photocopied and scanned in sort of look to it. Like you get like, you, know, you can like even see like the holes where like the, it's been, had a, they've, you know when you focus off something that's got yeah, holes. Yeah, and you, it's, it's, it's literally, yeah, you've got these random yeah. like kind of ghost holes yeah. in, in a yeah, page. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's and always on a squiff. Yes, yeah, they are they're all on a squiff and so forth. And there's bits where like you'll get to them like, oh, the appendix is like landscapes. You have to sort of like rotate the view of the microfish round. And that is a surprisingly complicated section because it's not just getting like just because you basically have to get a you get a frequency sense in that then gives you either numbers or a code phrase or that which then allows you to access like sort of the frequency allows you like sort of like confirm that you're the right person to receive the frequency and then you have like a section where you have to fill out like a set of three command prompts on the screen. Mm-hmm. And they start off easy, but they start like having variables. It's like okay, so for the final co- and basically you'll have like okay, here's your code word. You go to your microfish. There'll be like pages labeled for all the different code words. As like okay, for this code word, these are the command prompts you need to enter in. Oh, this one here where x and y is you need to replace it with these variables, which you get by like multiplying this by this and so forth. And it, it, you have to work it out as you go along. And there's bits with Morse code. There's bits with the alphabet. It's it's a a surprise that was probably the hardest section. The Morse code bit really got me because I got my dots and my dashes at opposite around. What sounded to me like dots were actually dashes. Sure. And so I was completely in the wrong ballpark. And I, I did have to Google because I couldn't figure that one out because I was I realised my mistake after I Googled it and I said I see why I've gone wrong now. Yeah, I get you. Um that's also the first one we actually get to get up and actually walk about for the first time. You actually get to where's before you've been stuck in front of a a screen, this one you actually get to walk about. And again, it builds a story of something really bad has happened. And again, the atmosphere generates is really good because there's radio communication between other stations, but you're stuck in this little base. It's cold, it's wintry outside, and they're like saying, well, make sure you keep your doors locked. There's something weird going on here. And, you know, in and the sort of message you get up on the screen are really weird. Like, oh, confirmation accepted. Everything's been launched like what the fuck have I launched you know it's all this sort of stuff is going on it's really it's I mean I was I was it probably didn't help that I had some bit I had some cancer cider and I was playing this quite late at night and it's like oh this there's actually it was actually slightly creepy you were starting to run on the uh, the edge of your brain going a bit fizzy yeah yeah it was yeah episode four now I'm not going to go into episode four deck because episode four ties the previous three together okay and the big sort of revelation episode four, which to be fair, and this is the only bad part of episode four, is that you work out very quickly what's the sort of the storyline. You understand what's going on very quickly. Within about a few minutes of play, you've worked out what's happened. Okay. But you have to keep playing through it to get to the actual the revelation. Their point of You've already figured it out, but you yeah. have to get to the point where the story has it tells you what it is, so that it can actually progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they push they 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 don't drip feed it enough at the start, so you realise way too you. They I think they're trying to they're trying to be sort of such about sort of like give you the final answer, but I figured out really quickly what happened. Mm-hmm. 
but it really neatly ties together all the previous three episodes. Really neatly ties them all together. Really, they come lovely to little package. It works really well. And I have to say, I played this. And I say I played it all through one evening. Got to the end. It's like I'm really impressed. This is like I was. I went to this expecting basically rubbing really basic and crap. You know, my first Unity game. But it was so nicely done. It lulled me to false security. I was because of all the you know default controls and the fact and the icon had been changed. And I was like, I'm really impressed by that. That was really fun. Um, I found I found it particularly really great fun. It's a, so it's a, let's say it's a sort of puzzle game is probably the best way to describe it. Um, you can't. There's no sort of like kill states in it. You can't really go wrong. So what you're saying is, it's not really the tools that you have. It's uh, you got to be a, if you're a creative motherfucker, you're going to be able to bang out something decent, even with the most basic yeah. Of tools. Yeah, yes, indeed. This is a uh, published by Devolver Digital. Oh right. Who, who um, obviously famous for um, uh, Hollow Miami, um, but they also sort of publishing other people's stuff as well. And obviously they published. I believe they published your game you played last week the, or the week before Loop. Loop Hero. Yeah, I think they published that. Mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but yeah, they published this game. Um, but I was really, really pleased. And even like the quality of like sort of like, um, like sort of cutscene graphics. Because it's every every episode starts with like this sort of like intro sequence, like from like a seventies sci-fi show. That's cool. And uh, but it's the same every single time as well. And it has like you know created by and it's the and it, it puts like the, the people who made the game get put up like as like creative directors and all this sort of stuff as like the sci-fi as if it's like as if we're playing like episode I think that it's, it feels like meant to be playing episodes of a sci-fi show sure. almost. Um it's kinda neat. But yeah very neatly done. Um I said I saw I, I wasn't expecting the, the sort of twist at the end, but I saw once I got I saw the twist was in episode four fairly quickly, but it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, so I was, yeah, I realized it. it's currently um six ninety nine on Steam, and do you know what? I'm gonna say yeah, it's actually worth it because it is so neatly done, so polished actually in many ways, despite some of the poor weird bits about it. It's so neatly polished. Um, and so if you like a more story, it's a story based puzzle game. Um, and it's, it was a good way to spend a couple hours of an evening playing through it. Sure. So I would I would actually recommend it as a game um, for six ninety nine. I could I know you can I spent that on, I, I spent that on lunch. So no, I get that I'm groove. Gonna, uh, yeah. So I yeah I would recommend it. But yeah, really neat game. Cool. Cool. Uh, anything else on the news, guys? Nah, it's everything, man. Oh, cool. Well, I think the only thing I should have left to mention. Um, is I've actually been watching an anime. <gasps> I know. Another one? I'm going to have to start checking your temperature. I, Jesus I Christ, know. you're turning into a weeb. <laughs> I know. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, so what causes us to watch is I watched a film a couple of weeks ago called The Old Guard. Right. That I didn't like. And it's a film about people who are immortal. They can't die. If you assume they go down for a second, they wake back up and get up again. Okay. And carry on. They can't die. And it sort of explores what this means to humanity. They've been like around like sort of early times. And I'd seen so I'd heard about it. I'd, I'd seen a, some clips from it in the previous uh, sort of YouTube. They said, oh, actually, it's very similar to um, this anime called Agent Demi Human. 
So I thought, well, I'll check that out, see what that's like. See if they... Because I felt the film hadn't really explored it properly. Sure. Hadn't really... I'll see. I thought, well, let's see if the the anime people... It's not... They're not... They're not based on anything similar. They're just a similar premise. Mm-hmm. But let's see if they do a more in-depth... Let's see what, how, what they come up with. Because I do find animes generally are quite good at exploring different aspects of it. They have a very, they're very good at having a very simple central plot idea. Yeah. And they explore. I find they're very good at doing that. Um, so I watched it, and it's a similar premise. You are... It's set 17... So basically, in the story, that when you join the... Um, story it starts off 17 years previous to present day and they are talking about this um person who they're fighting it starts off in africa and this person who's fighting the same thing whenever they shoot him he just gets up again and carries on fighting and i think they call him the warrior of god i think they call Mm. him he's got some sort of name because everybody's just terrified to fight him because he just gets back up again um, eventually, he sort of ends with him being captured. That's where they had. He's the first agent, the first one. He's their first a- identified as a people, um, sort of. Um, well, they, they call them sort of semi-humans in the thing, but they, he's the first one who's identified. And these are people who basically don't die. Sure. And it sets seven. It's then sort of jumped seventeen years later, and it's the basic idea is they're sort of like saying that these people who are being sort of captured and so forth and there's not many about them. they don't know there's about them. they know quite a few of them exist they don't know why they exist uh, they're taught about in school and stuff you know they're sort of they're, they're sort of modern phenomena um, but they're sort of like because you don't know you're an agent until you die yeah and then don't they don't know have any way to identify or anything because you can't just shoot people to see if they're an agent yeah sure um so they go on, they basically, and but in their sort of universe, they're generally regarded as not human because humans die when they get killed. So these guys aren't really human, which means, hey, actually, you know, the gun might as well capture yeah, them. Yeah, they, stuff they'll start fucking about with them and, and treating them like meat. And, you know, like if, if you're in yeah. a war scenario, you'd send them to do the dirty jobs because you know that they're, well, they're not really disposable. They can't be disposed of. Um, well, that's all the government do with them. The government, although they deny it, they do them for these and things like weapons research. Sure, like they'll they'll test new weapons out on them, see how it affects them. They'll like sort of bomb, you know, throw a grenade at them and see it, and sort of see how it affects the weapons. Yeah, cruelty means sort of nothing to something that can't die, but obviously their their psyche will obviously they'll start to crumble over time because they're yeah. suffering constantly. Yeah, exactly. So there aren't many about. So you follow this main character who I've completely forgotten the name of. <laughs> this little kid, as it's always a little, it's always because I, I, from what I can understand, anime, the main character is always a teenage boy. That, that, I, all, all yeah, that often happens. Yeah, <laughs> as, as far as I can tell, that's always the main character. So that's usually because in Japan, um, you'd usually find characters older than that in say slice of life stuff because once you turn twenty five, you're considered old and done. <laughs> Fair enough. So Fair enough. Um, so he basically shortly after, sort of like he's just going about his day to day life and so forth. He gets unfortunately run over by a van. That sucks. And then he does, and then he doesn't die. And then at that point, everybody knows it, and he knows who what he is, and everybody knows what he is, and he suddenly realizes actually shit, they're coming for me. Yeah. As he is, he he just runs. He just goes for it. And he runs. And he has to call up for help, basically someone to help him get there. Um, a, a close friend 
who did know, who basically won't turn him in. But all his friends at school he knows he can't trust. Because there's a rumour going around, there's like a 10 million yen reward if you capture an agent and get it to hand over to the government. Yeah. So people are really keen to capture them. So he's basically has to run. And so the first or few episodes of the season is basically him running, trying not to get captured. Um, he gets contacted by this chap, another agent called Sato, mm-hmm. who um, is an old guy. Now, it's not explained, because Sato's in his 50s. So the first one appeared 17 years previous. Clearly, they've been around a lot longer than that. Um, so something's either happened 17 years previous, or something's going on with these guys. So this guy called Sato basically contacts him to say, hey, you know, we can help you out. Um, but he learns pretty quickly when he, after meeting that actually this guy... He's a little bit of an extremist. He is sort of the opinion that Asian are better. So we should just be off our own, do our own thing, have our own nation all by ourselves. Fuck everybody else. We're better than them. Sure. Which is understandable because he's basically had to rescue someone. He's, he's, he's all psychic. He's rescued from a government lab. Um, and he's explored. So he is, and he, and. So you can sort of understand where he's coming from, but it's the methods he takes to it. And he becomes actually, he is, and it's a minor plot spoiler, but it's, it's pretty clearly, you get it fairly on, he sort of becomes the antagonist in the story. It's kind of a Planet of the Apes kind of groove. One of them is abused yeah. and then becomes the villain because he was abused and feels that he's yeah. better than everyone else because, yeah. and fuck them, so. I don't think... For what, for first of all, he explains he personally was never abused, but he has rescued quite a few people who have been. Well, yeah, he's had to watch his own kind suffer, and yeah. there's only so yeah. much of that you're going to take before you go. Wait, exactly. why are we taking this from these people? Like we have exactly. something they don't. They need us. Fuck them. Yeah, and they the, the other sort of thing that these um Asian have is these things called ghosts. And I've been told, not having watched this, I've been told they work, plot-wise, work very similar to the stands in JoJo. Having not watched JoJo, I don't know... JoJo might be a tough pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't feel I'm ready for JoJo. So, um, but basically they can summon these, some, they can summon these, somewhat voluntarily, these stands, which is almost like a, another version of them. And some people can some people can control them. They can actually control their stands. Their these I'm not going to say they're called IB IBMs. I think they call them. Uh, they can control or abnormal. They can they can control these to some extent. They can talk through them. Um, so, but normal non agents can't see them unless you're being focused on by them. So, if you're normal human, you can't see. It's the these, same as JoJo stands, you, yeah. But if you do see them, it means you're about to die because they're focusing on you. And it's only sort of like, sure, they're really, like, I'm coming for you, that you can see them and then you're about to die. Sure. So they are, but they so they use them most like for communicate. They can use these like for guys for communication. They all like can go. So there's a bit where he gets a low, he basically sort of gets like a group of agents together, but he doesn't have their real people turn up. He said that all they sent, all these guys sent their IBMs there and one of them just like announced they chat to him all and talk to him and off they go, and they, but no one can see them. Sure. So you can have these big meetings and stuff, and they use them for that. And you can also, like, one guy can actually sort of, like, because uh, they basically sort of, like, it's more sort of actual projection. They're actually remotely controlling these guys. 
And one guy uses him like sort of like they all use him like a probably like be like sort of a shooter with a gun. They can like use him as like a second shot and type thing. But not everybody can control him very well. Some people like when they first people they sort of talk that sometimes these ibis can go rogue almost and start doing their own thing with their own minds, mm-hmm. as it were. So that's sort of like their sort of like their that's sort of like their secondary power. The fact that they can't die isn't good enough. The fact that they have these secondary powers gives them this ability to yeah. you know do stuff. So that's all the general premise of it. Now I'm gonna be honest. It doesn't quite work. Okay. So it sounds good on paper, but the trouble is. So first of all, they made the mistake actually, as a from a story point of view, where the bad guys are trying something bad, and the government trying to stop them are run by idiots. The military units they have to try and stop them are run by idiots. I mean, there's some cool bits in it, but they don't. There's a bit where they capture the guy and basically to stop him, they want to keep him down. So to stop him reviving, and these are, we're now getting to sort of spoiler territory here. Just okay. stop one, but we're getting to spoiler territory here. Okay. To stop him reviving, they shoot him every few seconds. So every time he's about to start reviving, they shoot him again. They should have just knocked so him the cut- fuck out. Well, that's what I said. Why don't you just knock him? They, they have just drug they him. Use norm- well, that's what they normally do. They normally tranquilize people. That's like capture age, and they use tranquilizers. But what's interesting is they can't use too many because, unlike nearly every other form of media out there, they know that in all nearly all media out there, if you get hit by a tranquilizer dart, you go down and you're fine. You go to see you're fine. In reality, if you get hit by a tranquilizer dart designed for, like, say, anything that's not designed for even a human, there's a good even if it's designed for him, it's a good chance you're going to die because a person is different. The amount of Tranquilizers are not me out. It's probably not saying yeah, for sure. You out. Like they, they, you know, if you go to a hospital, they actually have to weigh you in and and you know check all this shit out. Exactly. You can't just guess and and the tranquilizers they use on big animals. Well, you're guaranteed to be knocked down. Uh, they also have to use those tranquilizers secretly, and this is the most bullshit bit of red tape I think I've ever heard in an anime exhibition. Why can't we use a tranquilizer on them? Well, because technically, only can be illegally used by veterinarians. So we can't use them. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's some. That's yeah. That's bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. You know, it's like I'm sure. Are you watching this sub dubbed? Dubbed. Dubbed. I'm wondering if dubbed. I'm wondering if that's how it was in the original, or whether or not they've the. I was told to watch a dub because the subtitles are completely wrong. Oh. The subtitles. The person who's with the subtitles, I don't think he's got an English degree. Netflix. Because they just. Uh, it is Netflix, unfortunately. Ugh. They don't make any sense whatsoever. So I'll be watching the dub version. The dub version is actually pretty... The, the voiceovers are pretty good. They work actually quite well, to I be mean, fair. Don't get me wrong. Dubs, dubs have got a lot better. Just sometimes they tend to fuck around with plot. Maybe so. But uh, for what I've read, it, it just doesn't make... That, that's, that's a... It's, I just like the idea of like... I'm pretty sure if you like this product, well, we can't remember we can capture these agents as a tranquilizer. I mean, therefore, we're make it we're more than that... allowed to shoot the shit out of someone, but fuck, man, yeah. tranquilizer. We can, we can machine gun them down. That's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. In the middle of the high street, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but we can't use a tranquilizer now because only vets are allowed to use them. That's a little bit of a bullshit reasoning there. That's all right, mate. I, like... uh, I happen to be a failed medical student and I became a vet. Mm-hmm. I also happen to be there a top can... class soldier. <laughs> yeah, there you go. By coincidence. 
So they go to go, the queue shoot every few seconds. And it's like, but they're, they're taking him to like a van to transport him. And but they're like moving him like at a snail's pace. Like, just fucking run with him. There's like six of you holding him. Just move quickly. This is like a medivac. He'd be on that within seconds. Mm-hmm. But you know you're going to walk at a snail's pace and just shoot him every so And they're firing towards each other, which is even more weird. Uh, I was like, oh God, these guys just don't know what they're, t- what they're doing. And this is meant to be like sort of the elite, not military, but police units, at least. Because again, there's a military unit designed to fight these people, but they're a secret as well for reasons. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. So, well, because obviously you don't want trouble- people to know that you're abusing the fuck out of a, a group of people. Because hey, who's to say that your child isn't one and they're going to take away your child and fuck them up? But at the same time, if you're being attacked at this point, terrorist, Asia side form terrorist attacks. So at this point, you think to yourself, maybe you could justify. You know, we have if if we have got military units to fight other humans. So I think you could justify it to fight a form of human who can kill you without looking at them, and you know, or kill you with their invisible ghost and can't die. I think you could have justification to have a unit designed to attack them, really, or tackle them. I don't know, I man. I don't know because that's going to make the plot like really, really like obvious. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you can so, do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are. They so yeah. They're basically so basically they are. Escort. So basically, the bad guys are forming this sort of like terrorism campaign. The trouble is, the bad guys never really suffer any setbacks. They never really love any media where the good guys always win or the bad guys always win is generally boring. If every fight they go to they win, it's boring because there's no real conflict there. And the trouble is, the bad guys always win in this. Every time that they think they've got a plan to defeat them, by sheer massive amounts of forward planning, they know how to counter that plan. So it never feels like there's the good guys have no little mini wins along the way. Yeah. So so it gets a bit it gets actually tedious. After a while, if I'm honest, it gets just tedious. Can I be honest with you? I, I find that a lot of anime that is coming out now has even for me is falling under that category It's falling into that mm. pitfall they're either this over is... the top gruesome for no reason at all because we seem to think that that's a thing like every character needs to bleed everywhere every character needs to commit suicide every character needs to be raped every character needs to be morally void um you know every character has to be racist uh, or I don't know. Um, every story just has to have nothing in it. Like a three-year-old wrote it, and now we're going to make it into an anime. Yeah, I think also. Yeah, it, it's it's what I was basically just getting like. It's like oh, I was just like oh, he's running again. Of course he is. Like at least like them capture one of his crew. Okay, don't catch the big main guy, but at least get one of the crew in. You know, just have, let them have some attrition. Let them have some losses. Let this not be a one-sided fight completely all the time. And do you not actually also realise watching this? Because one of the things they do, if one of their people is, like, tranquilised, they sh- if they're, their allies will just shoot them. Because once you- if you're tranquilised, you're down. But if you get shot, you, you die, you can... You re- they actually call it, they call it resetting. Yeah. As they to just reset, so they just shoot each other to sort of stop that happening. And I suddenly realised watching this, as all these like means people thought, 
from the good sides. This is for the good guys. This is what it's like to be an NPC in Payday 2. <laughs> yeah, it's about right. Because think, think about it. In Payday 2, if you're the police, you'll face up these people who are just mowing you down. And every time you think you've gone on the ground, someone just touches them and they get back up again. That's about right. I was like, shit, I'm watching this from the, pl- I'm watching this from the, pay- from the police side of Payday 2. It just suddenly <laughs> occurred to me. It's like, shit, or like Vermintide. This is, this is what the Skaven see. It's like, we can't fucking kill them. They just keep getting back up. Bless them. <laughs> so, but it goes on, it goes on like this for right towards the end. And How long is the series? Just, uh, it's two seasons, I think 13 episodes in each. That's not bad. No, no, that's a, no, so those two seasons, that's a standard anime season, 26 episodes. Yeah, twenty minutes. And each episode is about twenty minutes yeah. long. Uh, that, that, that is if, a, you, if you cut off all the, the you know, the that is a standard anime show, one run, 26 episodes. All right, thank you. So if it, it, it although it does end on a an open ended cliffhanger to do a third season, but it feels the end of it does feel close, does sort of feel close off, and then they leave it open for a third season. Sure. Um, I think my issue, other issue with it, a couple of issues with it. One, they don't bad guys always just win. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, they don't. I don't think they properly explored the ideas, and I actually realized I think trouble with the idea of like immortality. You know, you die, you get back up. There's so many what-ifs you have to ask in that situation. So, one thing that they don't explore this, at least not initially, unless you get to the very end, which actually the old guard, which is actually out of the two, the worst of the two, did explore, is that they, in the old guard, somebody, this is said in the film, somebody gets put in the, in the Middle Ages, they get put in a mine, Iron Man in front of bomb the sea. And if you're mortal, you drowned, you revive. You then drown again and you revive. That's horrific. Oh yeah, for sure. That's horrific. They don't. They don't. They don't come across the idea into the end of the season in, the, in Age of Every Human. Um, they also. Also, I was like, seeing what happens. So you have limbs cut off, they just regrow. But what happens to the other part of the limb? Does it still there? Does it stay? Apparently, it stays behind. But like the the majority regrows. So the closest they come to death is have your head cut off. Have your head cut off. Because your head's cut off, your head stays like long enough to see your body revive, but then you die. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. If that makes sense. Yeah. I still feel it's a bit te- tenuous as well, because from the body's point of view, the head regrows. They doesn't know any different. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. It doesn't. That doesn't. That person's know any different. So it's a bit. Tenuous. It's kind of like but when that, that that game you played with the the copies, and they're like, "Hang on a minute." Yeah. You are there, but then the other the other things like, "Well, it's not." You know, yeah, but but the copies can talk to each other. They they, they can still there. They can sort of it's it's a bit more. That's actually explores a bit more in depth. Sure. Whereas your head's actually copied. Yeah, die. sure, sure, sure. But what happens? So I think myself. What happens if you get crushed? What happens if you get incinerated? What happens then? What happens in those situations? How does how does it work there? They don't explore that, and I believe the manga actually goes. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I wonder if that's just stuff that was in the manga that isn't in the. Yeah, I don't, the manga's definitely got more chapters after this, so presumably perhaps they explore a bit more in the manga, I don't know. But I'm sort of thinking, well, what about, and I saw all these what-if signs that they don't really ever properly explore, because no one really gets injured in such a way that they have like really severe injuries. Most of them get just stabbed or shot when they die, yeah. and then come back. So they don't really have really massive injuries like that. So I, I, that felt like you've, you've missed a bit, you've missed a plot here, you've missed a 
this is stuff you should be exploring fairly early on in my book. Yeah. Because you want to find the limits of what you can and can't do. Because I'm pretty sure if you incinerate someone down to ash, I can't see you coming back from that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would. But it'd be interesting if they could. Um, the other thing is, it's a bit weird, is the animation. Uh, it's CGI. Ugh. But, but designed to look like animated. And it's very weird, actually, that for large chunks of it, you don't really notice because your brain fills in the gaps. But the trouble is, they've kept it like at 16 frames, but it feels like it's all like... Because obviously, anime, anime is usually double-framed. Mm-hmm. You know, the frames aren't... It's not technically 20... Although it's on paper 24 or whatever frames per second. Actually, they're parallel, aren't they? So they'll be... Yeah, they'll be 24 frames per second. But they often double frames up to save animation time. Mm-hmm. They work on twos, don't they? So the frame rate's technically lower. The trouble is, in CGI, that looks wrong. They've tried to sort of emulate it. So particularly when people like... It's actually, ironically, when it's fast movement, it's fine. Yeah. It looks fine to me. When it's more slow, like someone just turning around slightly, that looks weird. It's funny, actually. But for, for the most part, it's not really noticeable. Uh, I mean, there's some really night neat fight scenes in it. I mean, there's a really cool fight scene early on where this guy, Sato, and it's, and it's very fluidly done. Run, it's very really fluidly done. He gets shot by, like, a um, in his arm by a tranquilizer. So he gets an, an arm, and his knife out and just hacks his arm off. Right. So he can't be, um, so he can't get tranquilized. He then gets shot off another one. So he gets a gun and shoots himself in the head to revive himself. And we grow his arm. So that, that, that scene that works really nice. It's really fluid and flows really nicely. But then I said, you'll just have bits where they're just talking stuff. It just looks wrong. And it's a weird choice that they've gone to the root of, okay, let's do the CGI make it look like it, but let's put the frame that's all make it a bit juttery. And it doesn't look right. And it's very, it's also very, it's very, it makes me wonder if like different teams work on different bits because it's. That does, that does happen. Service. It, it does. There's a very, very. It's very variable about the quality of it. It makes you wonder if one group would like doing the action stuff, and one group would doing the like more mundane stuff, or how they split it down. Um, but it's because it, I, I watched the first. I watched the first episode. I thought this doesn't seem right. There's something wrong about it. it doesn't seem. It doesn't feel right as an animation. Some animation is just a bit weird, and that's why I looked and found it was CGI. Now I'm curious if. Um... What are you watching this on? I watch this on Netflix. No, but I mean, what are you watching it on? Your phone, your computer, oh, PC, your, PC. your PC. Yeah, PC, PC. Could it have anything to do with your monitor settings? Possibly, but I've seen a lot of people say a similar oh, okay, thing. Okay, fair enough. And uh, Japan so is uh, 30 frames a second. Are they? Are they in Tessie yes. in Japan? Oh, okay. I was trying to work out. I couldn't remember what they were. But I'm sure... I know uh, I know. they do only work on twos in animation for... Um, well, most animations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think they've tried. I think they've tried to emulate that, and it doesn't quite work. Mm, no, I get it. Because I think I think sometimes when you think, oh, let's just make it a complete copy of something, you've got to say actually it doesn't always work for you a straight copy. So it's a very in the end, it's like a very meh series. Yeah. Had some interesting idea. It had some. It had some interesting bits in it. But overall, it was pretty 
I think they could have done more with it. I get it. you. And I, I, I just um, want to go back and say my complaints with anime is I just honestly think right now, because there are so many different places trying to stream anime, it's a race to the bottom. Every single manga that comes out gets an anime these days, and I don't know if two-thirds of them even really deserve them. And the, the way that they're adapted these days, again, race to the bottom, so much stuff is missed out. Do you think that's actually also partly because... Do you think there's always been, like bad animes out there but because of the sort of like time it takes to get them animated and particularly like subbed and dubbed do you think there's like a delay there was like a filter for stuff we saw over here well i mean we didn't get a huge amount over here that's what you i mean know, we, so, 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 so the, uh, the no i mean there was there was over. a lot of crap that came out over here but now i mean like literally if you look at like anime by season and you can go onto websites and that uh, to look up uh, you know, what is coming out this anime season, the spring 20-whatever anime season? You're like, holy fucking shit, there's like a billion different shows. This wasn't a thing back in the day. You'd actually have to, you know, as you say, you'd have to actually find something that was actually worth putting out there. Now, I could write a light novel and bam, there it is. It's, it's, it's an anime. It'll get an anime. I was like, it doesn't yeah. need to be. Um, I think that's also a side effect of when you've got lots of television networks and out there, and or in the case of our streaming services, out there, all with budgets, all money to put out things, is by nature you're going to make more stuff's going to get made. Yes, well, no, that that and, is literally it. And then you find like you know, oh, Netflix are willing to invest in this show. Why? Then Crunchyroll are like, well, we want this one. And Funimation are like, well, we want that one. And it's like, so they're just literally going, well, these are all the licenses that are coming up right now. Fuck, grab everything you can because we need exclusive content to get people on our platforms. It's got nothing to do with the quality yeah. of the content, just that it's content. Which is shooting yourselves in the foot because the people who, if you are a bit more cautious about what you put on there, you'll get, eventually you will get a reputation of if it's on xyz streaming service and it's their own made stuff it's probably going to be pretty solid mm -hmm. but that repetition will come but you've got to weather the initial storm and unfortunately a lot of when you're a for-profit organization a lot of companies like oh i don't like, like that idea yeah so yeah it was, it, it was um i'm not disappointed that i watched it but i wouldn't Rewatch it. Sure. What well, if there's another season come there's out a... to maybe expand on it? Would you Ooh, give it a uh, try? Or... It might be one of the things that oh, I've got nothing else to watch. I'll just watch that then. Sure. Catch it. I mean, luckily, the good thing about anime, actually, the really good thing is, is it doesn't take very long to get through it. Sure. Because uh, because realistically, each episode's only about twenty minutes long. By the time you carve the incredibly long title sequence they all seem to have, the incredibly long ending sequence, and the recap at the start, and possibly the preview at the end, well, you're totally close. You're probably talking about sort of 18 to 20 minutes of actual stuff. So, actually, in fact, you burn... I mean, I burned through this in two days. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. At all. So, that's the only good thing, is you can burn through. So, you can pretty quickly... And I enjoyed it enough to keep watching it. Yeah, which, which I is I could have stopped, but I enjoyed... So I enjoyed it enough to keep wanting to watch and get to the end of it. It's just after, so I was like, yeah, it wasn't very good. Sure. So. But yeah, so there you go. I thought you'd be yeah, pleased. Good job. I mean, I'll, I'll <laughs> be honest with you. I found myself kind of swinging more towards slice of life anime and stuff like that um, in recent history. I fucking despise uh, most anime that comes out these days because it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. 
there there became a trend where, as I say, things just had to go really, really... I don't mind stupid over the top, but grotesque over the top really started to become a thing at some point. And I was like, this is the kind of thing you'd get back in, like, I don't know, 1980s, 1990s hentai. You know, this is like, Mm. this is stuff you wouldn't have in mainstream. Now, all of a sudden, it's in mainstream anime. So why the fuck is this a thing? You know, uh, and it just it didn't appeal to me. Like the stories were really thin and stupid, but they had a long run, and so they got really popular. And it's like, ugh. And that's the kind of thing that Netflix gravitates towards too. They go for the super popular, big brand everyone knows at anime. And it's like, but there's some really good stuff that none of you are even. Yeah, well, to be fair, this is fairly. I mean, I I think this is a fairly niche. One, I believe I've. I don't think it's a. I mean, I don't I mean. Had you heard of it before? I mentioned no, but then I have. I have been skipping out on TV for like the last yeah. probably couple of years. Like I don't yeah. watch much of anything. If anything, I have a Crunchyroll and Funimation subscription. My Crunchyroll subscription is never logged into anything, and my Funimation subscription, my wife uses it. Like, I don't touch... I don't watch telly at all. I just don't watch it. Um, So, yeah. I don't keep up with what's coming out, what's new. If I catch, like, one anime every, say, six months... So, if I catch two new shows a year, that's really saying something. Fair news. Fair news. Right, that's me done. Again, job. And I'll see some. So, um, remember, the hour goes on tonight. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, I think that's no good to you at all. But, Skaz, the hour goes on tonight. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for letting you me lose know. A, you're losing an hour in bed. Mate, I don't get an hour in bed. So that means that well, I'm you're, down for You're from... not getting no bed, then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you're Hold just up staying all up. Night. There you go. Um, so, very much for watching up in the Suffolk Crown. Skazius. Uh, you can join us on our next podcast on the. Da, 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 I should have said earlier, tenth <laughs> of tenth of April at twenty one thirty GMT plus one. Yay! Yay! British summertime. Yay! Uh, you can join us then on YouTube, youtube.com slash randnerds or twitch.tv slash randnerds. Um, you can join us for our games nights as well. We do a games. We're currently working our way through Green Hell. Uh, which you can join us on Twitch. For me, Twitch.tv slash Suffolkram. And Twitch.tv forward slash Skazius, SK4ZZI0US. Yeah, indeed. Um, you can just check up our website, randnerds.co.uk. And I hope you've enjoyed this, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. Rockin'. Bye, guys. Bye.